This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Friday, May 1st, 2020. On this day in 1776, Professor Adam Weishaupt founded a secret society he called the Order of the Illuminati. It would go on to become one of the most infamous organizations on planet Earth. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the founding of the Bavarian Illuminati. Let's go back to the University of Ingolstadt on May 1st, 1776, the day the world of clandestine societies changed forever. Five individuals gathered near the Bavarian University, Professor Adam Weishaupt and four of his best law students, Franz Anton von Massenhausen, Max Adler von Mertz, Andreas Zutor, and a man named Bauhof. Little is known about this initial meeting, only the date and the names of those who attended. What we do know is that Weishaupt was the canon law professor at the university, and he had big plans for his new organization, which he called the Covenant of Perfectibility, or the Perfectibilists for short. Though he taught canon law at a Jesuit university, the young and ambitious Weishaupt was not himself a Jesuit. In fact, he was the only professor at the university who wasn't a member of the clergy. And after three years as a professor, he was starting to realize that this put his intellectual development at a significant disadvantage. The Jesuits were not terribly fond of Weishaupt, and the feeling was mutual. Inspired by the ideals of the Enlightenment era, Weishaupt sought out knowledge that was not bound by religious doctrines or biases, and since he certainly wouldn't find it amongst his colleagues, he tried to join the Freemasons. By this point in history, Masonic lodges existed throughout continental Europe and had even reached North America. The Freemasons were the most influential non-religious order in Europe and would be the perfect place for a man who resented having to filter his opinions for his Jesuit colleagues. Though their tenets varied from lodge to lodge, many fostered Enlightenment-era ideas, such as separation of church and state, compassion and morality through human interaction and nature, and rational thinking. However, the closer Weishaupt got to the organization, the more disillusioned he became with it. His skepticism of the Masons was twofold. One, he thought the knowledge that they supposedly held was fairly easily accessible if a man knew where to look. And two, he didn't have enough money for the admission fee. So he'd simply have to start his own order. Weishaupt conceived of three ranks for members of his new group, Novice, Minerval, and Illuminated Minerval. 
The initial five members of the Perfectibilists all took on code names to help protect the secretive nature of this new society. Weishaupt's was Spartacus, Bauhof became Agaton, Mazenhausen, Ajax, Mertz, Tiberius, and Zutor, Erasmus Rotorotamus. Growth of this new organization was slow. By 1778, there were exactly 12 members of the Perfectibilists, little more than double the original number. But Weishaupt was determined to make a success of it. In April of that same year, he changed the name to the Order of the Illuminati. He also joined a few local Masonic lodges, figuring that he would be able to study their structures and rituals to grow his organization. The Illuminati would also start to recruit from within the Freemasons, as their ideas were similar enough to have a decent overlap. Amongst these recruits was a man named Adolf Kniga. He joined the Illuminati in 1780 after achieving the highest rank in the Masons and becoming frustrated by his inability to rise higher. But Kniga quickly advanced through the three ranks of the Illuminati too, and when he reached the level of illuminated Minervel, he suggested making some changes. In 1782, Kniga, drawing on the practices of the Masons, refined the Illuminati ranks to include more levels and complexity. This Masonic infiltration did wonders for the Illuminati's membership, as more and more members of Weishaupt's lodge began to join their ranks. By 1784, the young group's membership was estimated to be around 2,000 individuals. But this golden age would not last forever. Soon, being a member of the Illuminati would be punishable by death. Up next, the Illuminati graduates from secret society to criminal organization. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On May 1st, 1776, a Bavarian professor named Adam Weishaupt gathered four of his pupils together and formed the Order of the Illuminati. It was not initially called this, and membership growth was slow, until Weishaupt swallowed his pride and joined the Freemasons. After that, things took off for the budding secret society. In 1782, the ambitious young Adolf Kniga was initiated, and two years later, he proceeded to completely restructure the organization, making the Illuminati a far more stratified group than it was before. By the mid-1780s, the group numbered anywhere between 650 and 2,000. They were no longer just a small group of students. They included men of influence and power. We don't know exactly how much real power they had, but according to Weishaupt's accounts, their potential seemed unlimited. Then everything came crashing down. Though their numbers continued to increase, 
internal strife amongst the most prominent members of the Illuminati threatened to tear the organization apart. Kaniga and Weishaupt's differences began to fracture the group. In particular, Kaniga disagreed with Weishaupt's passionately anti-religious tenets, which he thought would alienate a number of the senior Freemasons they sought to recruit. By the mid-1980s, Kaniga had left the organization, although he would later pen a defense of the Illuminati's aims against people who said the organization was evil. In spite of Weishaupt's best efforts, rumors about the Illuminati's growing influence spread quickly. Soon, its existence became common knowledge throughout Germany, causing concern to people of power. On March 2, 1785, the Duke of Bavaria, Charles Theodore, issued an edict outlawing secret societies such as the Illuminati. Membership in such an organization was punishable by death. Weishaupt lost his job at the University of Ingolstadt and was forced to flee the country. He spent the rest of his life living in Gotha, where he wrote a number of works on the philosophies of Illuminism. He died on November 18, 1830. The Bavarian Order of the Illuminati did not survive Charles Theodore's edict and Weishaupt's departure. They remain as a minor footnote in the history of secret societies in Europe, barely surviving more than a decade and accomplishing very little. But for some reason, their name remains strangely pervasive throughout the discussion of secret societies, so much so that it's transcended the brief lifespan of the original organization to become something of a legend. During the French Revolution, Theorists such as French Jesuit Augustin Baruel suggested that the Illuminati survived and were in fact the masterminds behind the Reign of Terror. This was only the first of a series of conspiracy theories about either the survival of the Illuminati to present day or some successor organization to the Illuminati holding great power behind the scenes. Between the two world wars, Fascist propaganda spread the idea that the Illuminati survived. It was easy to build paranoia around an organization that famously prided itself on secrecy and anti-religious sentiment. Certain Cold War conspiracies even claimed that the Illuminati had engineered the conflict between the U.S. and Russia so a handful of Jewish elites could divide up and rule the world. This theory, of course, ignored the fact that the Illuminati did not allow people of Jewish background into their ranks. In recent years, the Illuminati, or some modern form of them, have been tied into a conspiracy surrounding the New World Order, a supposed government that controls the world behind the scenes. However, while many a fraternal organization has taken the name of the Illuminati in the last 200 years, it's safe to say that the organization that coined the name is long since defunct. It turns out threatening members of a secret society with death is an easy way to tear that society apart. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more on the Illuminati, check out ParCast's Conspiracy Theories episodes delving deeper into the organization. 
Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson.